Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtually Legal. As you know, this mini-series is all about developing the soft skills that you'll need as a lawyer. Practical law is really good for most things, but as you may have heard before, law is people business and there's no precedent template for good networking skills. Or is there? That's what Ollie Haddock, chair of the London Young Lawyers Group, is here to answer. Ollie, welcome to the studio. Hello, thank you very much for having me. And can I say a really interesting intro? I like that. <laughs> thank you. I actually Molly really tries her best. <laughs> I really do. And I actually just read it out to my partner and he said, that sounds really interesting. I might listen to this one. Which... Oh, thanks. <laughs> God, extra pressure then. God, that yeah. must have been awful. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. Anyway, I hope it's a good episode because the expectations are high. Um, So, Ollie, are you able to tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about why you think you're qualified to talk about networking? I can certainly tell you a bit about myself and I can tell you what I do in the networking world. I'll leave it up to you as to whether I'm qualified. Um, (laughs) So I'm the, I say, my my day job, as it were, is I'm a, what is it now, four-year PQE, I think it is, time flies, uh, dispute resolution solicitor at uh, Radcliffe Labrassa. Uh, those sort of legal legals keeping their eye on the legal news will know that Radcliffe is just going through a merger as we speak. So in a few months time, or by the time you listen to this, maybe I will be working for Waitman's, which is very exciting. Um, As well as the day job, I am the chair of the London Young Lawyers Group. They are a branch of the Junior Lawyers Division. So we are the sort of London branch or one of the London branches of the JLD. Uh, And then as I qualified, I just decided I need to be networking with other industries because for all the brilliant things that the Young Lawyers Group does, um, true sort of commercial networking really does need to be with other industries. So I founded what is now known as the London Young Professionals Network. And that basically brings together all of the different organizations or industry bodies like the Young Lawyers Group. So if you think about all the different industries, you've got insurers we've got accountants we've got management consultants all sorts there's 10 member organizations and all of these industries have a body that represents them and what we did was bring those together to create the OYPN. And how do people that are listening to this join both of those groups because I've seen a lot of what you guys get up to on Instagram and it all looks really really cool I def I actually signed up this year so Fingers I've signed crossed. up recently too, so you never know. Amazing. I haven't been to my first event yet. So I was going to say, it's very well and good you guys signing up. I know. I haven't seen you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next um, month. Wilson, yeah, there is plenty coming up. I won't um, go into it all now, but there's loads of really cool ideas coming up uh, event-wise. Um, so uh, another little quirk. So you can join the London Young Lawyers Group as a member, as a junior and or aspiring lawyer. Um, we're not very strict with sort of age or levels, but we tend to say from LPC to to five to seven years qualified, depending on who you ask. Um, but realistically, a lot more nowadays, certainly with the sort of advent of the Instagram, we're seeing undergrad students as well. So look, we're, we're an open church. We are open to anyone that thinks our events will be valuable. Um, so you can sign up via our website actually right now this second hopefully by the time this goes out our website will be live um, and you can just hit sign up and you pay a sort of annual membership fee and then that gives you sometimes sort of early access but it certainly gives you discounted tickets and all that sort of thing for events um, but you don't have to be a member to come along so you can just follow follow the instagrams at london young lawyers or at london young professionals they both got websites and they both got mailing lists so you can do all those good things um, the LYPN, as it stands, you the member, so the members are the organisations. So you would, as an individual, be a member of the Young Lawyers Group, who then, you know, that membership then gives you that link to the LYPN. 
Fab, very interesting. So this episode, we are kind of going to take our listeners through what I would see as like the life cycle of a networking event from like preparing for it, turning up, being in the heat of it, and then how do you make the most of it even after you've left? A follow through. Exactly. Um, So we actually put out a question box earlier today and we got some questions in. And one of those was, is it better to attend a networking event alone or with someone? Ollie, do you think there's a right way to do it? Uh, no, is the short answer. I don't. <laughs> the The traditional answer, and to be fair, I think my own thinking on this has developed over the years. So my own, I, I remember I wrote an article when I was, I think, a trainee, and I very clearly said it's still out there for everyone to read. Um, attend, go, go alone, take the risk. Um, if you go with people, and this is the traditional answer, I think, when you talk to people about this, is if you go with people, you're going to use them as a crutch, you're going to stand in the corner, you're going to talk to them, and you're not actually going to get any benefit out of the event. Now, I, I don't now disagree with that answer, but I think the, it's slightly more nuanced than that, because take a step back. The most important thing is going. So if going alone is an option to you because of the way you feel about going to events like this, then take someone with you. Because ultimately, going is more important. Um, and also then, who are you going with? So if you go with your best mate or you know someone from your firm who you're really close to and frankly, you just want to talk football to, then that's not going to be very helpful. If you go with, say, another contact from a different firm or a different organization that you think might find the event helpful, then you are more likely to integrate into the event and to make a bit of an effort when you get there because you're not going to be sitting in the corner just you know talking about what you did at the weekend. Um, the final point is, I guess, when you're there, so I have, I remember vividly going, it was actually an event at my own firm, you, all the trainees were sort of not required, but it was frowned upon if you didn't turn up to all of the firm's networking events just to sort of show willing. Um, and a lot of the events naturally would be with, so I would turn up as a sort of junior first seat trainee in a property seat, going to the tax and private client event with lords and ladies as, as are our clients at our firm. And, and you have just very little to say. Um, and it can be quite nerve wracking. So I was stuck in the corner with a colleague and we arrived, said hello to a few people and found ourselves sort of stood next to the food and pouring ourselves a glass of wine and stood there for about 10 minutes. And we just thought, OK, right, let's do this. We're going to give ourselves 10 minutes. We're going to break into a conversation. We're going to have a chat and then come away again. And it was quite nerve wracking. And I remember I sort of going, OK, ready, ready. We've got this. We've got this. So. It's not always the case that going with someone can be bad, a bad influence because sometimes you can sort of help each other and break into that conversation together. I love that answer because when I saw the question, I thought, oh, I know the answer to this. And then that, that was kind of like the first portion of what you said was, you know, about the article you wrote and always better to go alone. But I'm glad there was more layers to it than that. And I would I would think twice about whether or not to take someone or who I was taking. So definitely yeah, I, more depth I think it really depends because some people some people you could you went with could really bring out your sort of maybe more confident size your more likelihood to walk up and talk to other people so it's just finding the right balance and I guess before the networking is almost a part of the preparation it is just to consider and pre-think how if bringing this person or bringing someone will actually benefit me or just hold me back so I think that sort of leads quite nicely into do you actually have to prepare for networking events 
or can you just show up? <laughs> really good question. Really good question. And, and again, everyone will have a different approach. So there are some people who approach networking really... I, I hate using the word calculated because it has a sort of negative connotation, but it, in a way that is sort of, um, you would look who's going, you could work out, you'd work out the five people you wanted to talk to. And then when you get there, you're going to go look at all the name badges, find that person, focus in on them. And there are merits to that because networking, for me, networking is about going to an event, enjoying and building natural relationships. But to some people, it, you know, they haven't got all the time in the world. Um, they want to really make the most of the, the sort of limited time they've got. And so I, I do understand where they're coming from. Um, but I feel like sometimes the people that do that, the minute they walk up to you, you just can sense the agenda. And it, it means you're almost on the back foot. You can sense, you know, because they try and get that question of, of what can I take a value from this conversation or, or what can I ask you as a favor? And you, you just get that sense from the minute they turn up. So. I'm not against planning and taking a look at the guest list and seeing who's there. But if you um, sort of make it a, too structured, um, yeah, you can kind of give off bad vibes. And I guess I think sometimes when you get stuck with the idea of seeing those five people, it can limit you from bumping into someone and actually having, like you said, a natural conversation that could go 10 times further than that one question you really wanted to ask that you planned a week before. Exactly, exactly that. And, and my, the, the absolute beauty, and this is something that I just, when you've walked away from an event and the, the biggest pleasure you can have is having a conversation with someone you didn't know was going, was completely random, and it went off in a complete tangent, but actually in a really useful way, and, and you, you walk out the room absolutely buzzing from that conversation. So yeah, you, you maybe limit the opportunity for those sorts of chats. I think what you said about agenda is really interesting because I've heard that before. We've had um, Tom Haynes on our podcast and he now has his own podcast and he had a partner on that and they were talking about networking and the partner said, similar to what you've just said, Ollie, that you can really tell when someone's coming at you with an agenda and he just finds it way more inviting and wants to talk to someone when they, you just talk to someone like a human and mm. like you would a normal conversation and not you know what's your firm strategy for the next five years yeah 100 percent. and so uh, this is one of the biggest takeaways from this whole chat is networking is about genuine relationships i i, I when you go to an event the most professional person that you talk to that is perfect with their questions has three questions lined up for you, um, you know, has their tie done up properly, gives you the card at the end, is all very polite, sends the right message the next day and all that sort of thing, does all the correct networking things, can feel totally cold. And it, it the, the person that you want to instruct on a piece of work, give a contract to, offer a job to, all those sort of things that we associate with being the benefits of networking, they are always the people you trust and you like and going to the networking events is where you start those relationships but they have to be genuine relationships you can't manufacture them and so when you arrive okay so you might arrive you're with someone you're not with someone you have got a list of questions you haven't got a list of questions <laughs> we've established those things but you're through the door you've made it how do you break into that that first group because I feel like and I've heard you talk about this before Ollie but the rules of networking are slightly different than if you were to just turn up at like a house party 
Yeah, hundred percent. So let's do that really quickly. So my firmly held opinion is that the rules at a networking event actually make it easier for you because unlike at a social event, um, well, certain social events at a house party or even imagine the pub on a Friday night, if you just walked over to someone else's table and said, hey guys, how you doing? You know, what brings you here? They'd look at you like a <laughs> weird, complete weirdo. Um, <laughs> But, but for unless some, you're bringing them a drink then yeah, exactly probably. <laughs> exactly that exactly that but um at a networking event that is not only okay but it's completely encouraged and no one will look at you strangely whether you are on your own whether you're with someone um any of those things so two points to then take the take us to the sort of next step one is um something and look networking we're all learning here i'm by no means the finished article I, something that i tripped up on just last week at an event was this. I sort of listening to my own advice and being very confident, walked into a group and said, hey guys, I'm Ollie, how's it all going? Um, and I, I, I clocked just after I'd said that. They were clearly having quite a detailed discussion. This was at the Young Lawyers event about um, access to the industry and about sort of applications to law firms. And they were having quite a detailed conversation about the various stages of the application to that law firm. And I had just kind of ruined that flow and and broken it all up. So <laughs> so I, look, this is something I'm learning at the same time. Um, I think do have some element of trying to have a think about what sort of you know is that conversation giggly and open and you know quite clearly mm. ready for someone to break into it. If if it's quite serious and deep, maybe just you know choose another group. Um, <laughs> Say for example, those I was. I hadn't quite broken to the group yet and I was listening to this conversation that I really wanted to get involved in. If you could, I guess, find your way in in a polite, non-destructive manner. Is there any, like, <laughs> tips to...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 100%. My, the easiest one I always have up my sleeve is asking people what their link to that event is or, or sort of who they know that's, that's brought them there because that, that tends to lead to quite an interesting discussion. Um, about how people found out about the event or, oh, I come to these all the time. You do, we could talk about you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and it, it just leads to that because it's not a conversation that has a yes or no answer. It has, it tends to sort of lead into other things. And then it also allows you to sort of break, if you've had that conversation with one person and it's going really well, you can then just turn to the next person in the group and ask the same question without it being an issue. So um, it, it's, it's a really open question and tends to lead to quite interesting conversation rather than just yes or no. That's a yeah. That's a good tip yeah. about not asking a yes no question. And if if you've you've made your way in, you're like you're in the group. Well done. Um, and then someone turns to you, and obviously they've all done introductions, and you haven't. And they say, "Tell us a bit about yourself." How this is actually when I was like planning for this episode, and I was asking my friends, "What what would you want to know?" One of them said, "How do you perfect your elevator pitch?" that that little snippet of yourself that you give when someone turns and says tell me about yourself do you have any tips for that blimey good question and, it, and it's something I actually really struggle with because you you don't know I, I think it is something you have to play by ear which I know is not the answer anyone listening wants to hear um because how much they really want to know it's a little bit like when someone says uh, how are you do they actually want to know um fine, if they're, fine yeah the exactly exactly if they are you know if you sort of read the room slightly and they were having quite an interesting conversation and you, you're just introducing stuff maybe just hi i'm only um a solicitor at radcliffe's uh th that's fine because they're you're sort of it's just them giving a nod to being like we don't know your name 
yeah. if, if it's um, if it's sort of pitched in a slightly different way of like interesting you know you've discussed maybe what brings them to the event and who their contacts are and maybe their answer when they ask you the question that's more what they want um, mm-hmm. who you are what your background is sort of who you know at the event why you're there that sort of thing again keeping it relevant um, to the people there and to the purpose of, of the event and I guess that's the heart the hard part is that sort of extra part of the bit of emotional intelligence that you can't work out before you get there, but you just have to almost fill the room and just, I guess, go on your own initiative and see it what is, feels right is, at the is, time. It is, it is, 100%. And, and it is difficult, but hey, that just comes with practice. But there is a couple of books now about um, kind of like what, what to do when you first meet someone and like what questions you should ask them to like form a good relationship and things about like, just like the menial points about like hand contact, sorry, hand contact, hand contact, <laughs> handshakes, eye contact, things like that. I guess, I don't know, I've actually read one of them and found There's it There's one called found How to Get useful. On With Everyone. Yeah, yeah they're, yeah, they're all along that kind of line. I do think that the, the hand contact point, um, hand which, contact. And maybe, maybe that was a Freudian <laughs> slip because that is actually, it, it, it can be one of the more difficult things. Breaking into a circle and saying, hi, what brings you here is really easy. Um, but sort of doing the, okay, when you're leaving, do I shake your hand? Do I not shake your hand? Is this the end of the year? Like that, that actually can be quite complicated. And again, that's an EQ thing that you kind of just have to work out. I am, um, someone came around actually the other day to do something in my flat. And as he was leaving, I just put myself out there and shook his hand. And then as he <laughs> left, I was like, I've never done that before, but it felt really mature and like a nice way to conclude the interaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. See, doing it, trying it in whether it's a social scenario or not, then, you know, you learn from people's sort of reactions to it. And the best place to try it, Molly, in your own home. So <laughs> yeah. exactly. Exactly. when they're leaving and you get to stay there and think about it. Um, so moving on to the kind of like into, sorry, the inter-industry um, thing. I find this really interesting because you can talk to lawyers semi-easily because you have things in contact. You have things... Um, in things common. to chat in, in common um <laughs> you have things... now on contact you're like hand contact <laughs> oh no <laughs> you have things in common and you know you can bemoan billable hours and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. how do you get on with people in other industries and find common ground good good question again and that's that's what i try and say there's sort of two stages which is why the events that an organization like the London Young Lawyers Group run are so important because they allow, allow you to break into the industry to have all those initial conversations about billable hours and all those sorts of things um, in a safe environment and hone those skills before to my mind you go off in the big bad world and mm. try and actually use those skills on people that are more likely to um, you know instruct you or for you to introduce work to and all those sorts of things. Um, and it's, it's it's so again what I say is get to know about and this this goes back to what your listeners will all know about commercial awareness and understanding the law is all very well and good but you actually have to understand the industries in which you operate um, so you do have to go out your way slightly to make it in the law to understand how insurance works and how accountancy yeah. works um, so that is just something you do need to sort of go and learn but also if you come along to and I'm not here just to plug my organizations but if you come along to an, an LYPN event um, you're at a level where 
you are not expecting realistically because you know you come to our events as a trainee or whatever where you're probably not expecting to walk away with a massive deal or project um but actually what i always say is you're there to make those relations at that stage it's really about making personal relationships um i i now have people that i consider really good friends from the ricks matrix and from the icaw um and sort of four years down the line they, I hope, would now think about instructing me because I have genuine personal relationships with them and I'd like to think they trust me as a person. Um, but you're right, going into a conversation with an accountant as a trainee solicitor and trying to sort of understand everything they do is, is difficult. So ask questions, don't be afraid to learn. Um, of course, you know, try and do some reading up and we should all understand what other industries do. But yeah, get, come along as, as early as possible to these events at a stage when you can still ask those questions. Um, and as I say, build, build relationships now because they'll help you out down the line. And another question that we had that kind of feeds into this, talking to people from different industries, but in particular talking to more senior people, how do you deal with imposter syndrome at networking events? Really good question. And, and it is something that I think I even touched on at the start of this when I was, um, you know, quote unquote, required or encouraged to attend events um, that, that just weren't designed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that could do more harm than good, frankly. So th- the short answer of this would be to go to the right events. Okay. Um, I've had some really interesting discussions online about this, actually. And the, the, my, I think where I've come to, having listened to a number of brilliant people speak on this, including Emma Lilly of In-House Potter, she made a really, really good point about challenge yourself with events. Go to an event that is maybe one step beyond where you think you are in terms of the seniority or if it's training in terms of like the, the sort of level. Go to one that's one step above you, but don't go to one that's five steps above you. Look, even I, as a sort of four-year qualified solicitor, if I went to an event full of senior managers and managing partners, whatever the, you know, what I call them, um, I'd be somewhat out of my depth. Um, so, you know, as a trainee, just try and make sure you're going to the right events with the right type of or level of people. Um, always challenge yourself, but you know, challenging yourself too far is actually unhelpful. I sort of want to go a bit left field, which links into the imposter syndrome question and my answer, which was um, go to the right events. But equally, if big networking events aren't for you, then there are millions of other ways of networking. If if taking a colleague for a coffee and having a two on two or whatever it is um, in a much smaller environment, if that's easier for you, do it that way. It, there are there are you know there are many more ways than going to these big events if you've tried it and it really really isn't for you so you've kind of gone through the whole networking event you've prepared for it you've got there you've done all of your good hand contact um and you've got some <laughs> long-lasting relationships can we do your podcasts have like episode names <laughs> i was going to call <laughs> this one I think hand contact has to be the name. Yeah, I mean, people will have to listen to it otherwise. They'll be like, what are they talking about? Networking and hand contact. Interesting. (laughs) Okay, so you've made your way through the networking event. You've prepared for it. It's gone really well. How do you follow up with those people that you connected with in, I think, like the most authentic way possible because I find it a bit like mundane and annoying when you get, one message from someone on LinkedIn and then you just, they they just like disappear and you never hear from them again. Yeah, hundred percent. So 
that is a, an agonizing but necessary step and so the answer you, you asked this in a i've been to loads of these events of people trying to tell people how to network and they'll say make sure you add people on linkedin and make sure you add a message and that's that's kind of the end of the answer and and like that's the obvious bit like everyone you speak to you speak to someone on the lpc or someone in their first year of university they'll probably be able to tell you add them on linkedin and remember to add a message fine okay but how do you actually maintain that relationship that's the trickier bit and that's the, the more interesting answer so um linkedin i have a real issue with for a number of reasons n none more so than my inbox which has just got thousands of messages from people trying to sell me like phone services to my oh, office like god just, it doesn't just, stop does it, it like do your research. I was a trainee and they were like, does your firm need a new, new like internet system? I don't know. Ask a senior partner. Um, but anyway, so anyway, that's why I hate LinkedIn. But uh, LinkedIn is useful for a number of reasons because what it does, you know, in, in the olden days, people literally had those like little boxes where they'd put all their cards. Um, you know, you come away from an event with a business card and you'd stash it away and you'd never see it again. The one I think useful thing about LinkedIn is you do get a reminder of people because you see that they've liked things and you see what they're commenting on and that sort of thing. And it, it just acts as a bit of a constant reminder that they're out there and what their interests and hobbies and specialties are. So when you then see an article, an event, uh, an interview, whatever it may be, uh, tag them in it or send it to them or email them a link to the article. Um, it just lets, uh, reminds them that you're there in your mind. And it, it sort of just fosters that relationship between the times that you're able to see them and have a lovely evening with them or whatever it is. Um, it lets them know that you're out there and you're thinking of them. It's a really easy way. It takes two seconds, um, but it does help build those relationships. That's such um, a good point. Just literally, just as you were saying that, I was thinking, actually, I've really appreciated when people have done that to me, like people that I've, you know, had like offhand conversations with, and then I post something on LinkedIn, and they comment, it kind of catches you off guard, because you think, well, I've only spoken, spoken to this person once, and they're congratulating me, that's really nice, it actually kind of sticks with you more than the people that you might say, like your friends that you might expect to comment. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's an even easier example when they have posted something, engage with it. Like that's that's just like super easy. And and you're right. You know, we're all children of a social media age. When when people comment on our stuff, it may seem like it's one of five, and no one else really notices it. But it it, it kind of does mean something to you. If you've gone out of your way and I don't know, written a, a briefing for your law firm, you've probably spent ten hours doing that. If if someone writes just a two word, oh my god, this is really interesting comment it, it actually means it brightens your day up so yeah that that's an even easier one than sort of sending them other other interesting things just to comment on the stuff they're doing amazing ollie you've been a fantastic guest if you had one last tip for our listeners or a myth that you would like to bust or something that you would like to pass on what would it be um i'm gonna be really boring and I'm going to reiterate the point that I made earlier. And, and it, it, it's a sort of myth busting point, which is please, please, please do not feel if you, you know, you know yourselves inside out and you consider yourself to be somewhat of an introvert or whatever it may be, please just try it. Get along to something. If, if you want to come to a London Young Lawyers event and come find me and say hi and say, look, I'm finding this really difficult fine go for it if you want to take a friend along um forget people telling you you have to go alone take a friend along um and try it and practice it because like anything trust me um the more you do it the less nervous you'll be the better you'll get and comfort zones are a weird thing 
they are, they they move with you as you develop and things that you do now every day you don't realize or you'll forget that that was out of your comfort zone once upon a time so just take that baby steps take out take yourself out of the comfort zone and, and so you'll start seeing that move with you Thanks so much to Ollie for coming onto the show and providing us with useful networking tips. Remember, if you don't want to go alone, you don't have to. As Ollie said, the important thing with networking is simply doing it. And if that means going for a coffee with someone new instead, then do what works for you. As always, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on at Virtually Legal Podcast on Instagram for more.